Hey guys, Ryan here. What you're about to see is a monumentous event. At least it was for us. What it is, is it's a Q&A live quote unquote podcast recording from our first ever Fierce Families Conference. And in it, it's us and our good friends, John and Becca Level, uh, being asked questions that were gathered from the audience by our MC, who happened to be our pastor, Pastor Rich Hamlin. And in it, in this Q&A, we have a lot of fun, but we also cover topics like struggling with infertility or what to do if you are in a blended household. Or as parents, what do you do if you came to Christ after your kids were teenagers? And now you're having to figure out how to lead them in the things of God. So we answer these questions and a bunch more, and we pray that it blesses you. One thing to keep in mind is that the theme for this year's conference was faithful, fruitful, and fierce. You'll see that come up throughout the Q&A, so just keep that in mind. And again, this is from our Fierce Families Conference. If you wanna find information about maybe attending the next Fierce Families Conference or even bringing a Fierce Families Conference to your area, just go to this website, fiercefamilies.com. You can find information there. You can pre-register uh, to be on that early access list when new events are planned and scheduled. So, like I said, we had a lot of fun recording this. We pray that it blesses you. And so we'll see you on the other side. How would you apply the fruitful piece of being faithful, fruitful, and fierce to married couples dealing with unwanted infertility. They want to have a family. They want to do this. But right now, God in his providence has said no. Speak to them. You're all looking to me. I came up with, this, with the banner, so I got an answer for it. Uh, okay, so, um, yeah, that's really hard. There's no getting around the, uh, the how frustrating and... Um, dire that can seem. We've walked alongside some friends and through infertility. Um, it's, it's hard, so I don't want to minimize that by any means. Um, and as I, I think mentioned yesterday, the fruitfulness that we see in the garden extends beyond just the multiplication part. And I think that's key for the couple who's going through this to understand it's not, so babies are a, a blessing. Well, and that's partly why they are a blessing, right? Because God in his sovereignty gives children. Well, in his sovereignty, sometimes he doesn't. And um, so, but babies aren't the only blessing that families beget. We receive, but we also beget blessings. And I think that's part of what I wanted to get across yesterday is that the fruitfulness extends into the very act of being human itself. And what being human means, as we saw in the garden, was to cultivate, to work, to be on mission. Um, and so my encouragement for that couple is there's fruitfulness anywhere you go if you're living a faithful life unto Christ. And so just press into that. Press into what it means uh, into prayer. Look into scripture. Um, respond obediently and, uh, and be faithful and faithful and, fa and just trust that the fruitfulness, whatever God would ask of you, will be born according to his plan. I don't know if you guys have anything to add to that. I'm, I'm thinking of a gal right now, a dear friend of ours. She's in her 50s. She never had any kids of her own, but she has become a massive influence in the lives of all kinds. Of, you're you're thinking of the same? Same, yeah, so we're, uh, has been this great light in the lives of n dear nieces and nephews, friends and kids from church. And so uh, I think there's enough brokenness and lack of uh, solid role models that your legacy doesn't necessarily have to be written on the lives of merely biological kids. But seeing a gap in there, she didn't have any biological kids. She has adopted the entire 
community's kids and they love her and they know her. And I don't think we'll ever really know the impact of what she's had in their lives. She is fruitful beyond measure. We'll see in the kingdom of God who is affected more. But she is adopted and raised up all these different kids and um, doing a great thing. They just weren't hers biologically. Incredible. Well, you said that today when you were talking about the indestructible family. We're brothers. I said that to you this morning over the breakfast table. I, I said it first in my, in my some head. Some brothers though. are runtier than others. <laughs> There's a runt of the litter in this family. Right, we're going to move on. Oh, it's a short joke. It, it hurts my heart. It's okay. Oh, I, I, I hurt because I, I hurt. I want to add in that there is um, oftentimes a, a real need for special needs adoption. Maybe if you open your vision to um, different callings. And then like you mentioned, the large sibling group. So sometimes if you look in uh, these agencies like Lifeline Christian Adoption based out of Birmingham, Sometimes there's five, six, seven kids that they don't want to split up and they need someone to take them. And there's not a ton of people willing to do that. And maybe you're called to do something like that, that you, you're, you have the capacity for it. So. And the God who is, write, is writing every story and for that couple, God is certainly aware and he's doing his most beautiful work. Sometimes it doesn't match up with our timing and, and things that we want, certainly. Um, we've got a lot, there was a lot of comments about homeschooling, and there was a great question about, um, we're interested, but we really don't know where to start. What, what, what's some real practical advice to a couple uh, who wants to homeschool, but really doesn't know what they need to do first and second and third? <laughs> um, I think the first step is always find a group. So search Facebook, ask your friends, um, ask through church, ask through any organization, sports teams, ask who is the local homeschool group and start there. And then plug in with families that you start to see you admire their kids, you see their outcomes, um, the kind of family that they've got and plug yourself in with them. And then the two big things I always say is just read aloud and play outside and you'll figure it out as you go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I would echo that. You know, it's if they're young kids, just read and play and just be with them. And you're way more capable than you think. Uh, you love your kids the most. You're the most invested in your children. Uh, you're very, very capable. And so starting with your, finding your people, right? Start with your church. Start with a group. Uh, get ask. There's always seasoned, more seasoned homeschool mothers that are in those groups that love to pour out their knowledge, love to pour out their experiences. So clearly, you're not alone. Uh, and you know, I love what you said yesterday. Just when you're homeschooling, doesn't mean you do school at home. Like you don't have to do the eight hours. It's less classroom management, right? It's more just discipling hearts and teaching them. So uh, you find a rhythm that works for you. You find. Uh, people that are like-minded, that you can pray together, you can ask questions. There are so many resources uh, out there, but yeah. Yeah, I've never met a uh, homeschool family that just felt awesome at the outset, right? They, they always feel like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm in over my head. I'm drinking from a fire hose. So every, for every passionate family that's passionate about homeschooling, they started like a deer in the headlights. And uh, so you know you can do way more than you realize. And I think the first thing is just community and just trust the process, I think. Yeah. 
years ago, it used to be, what curriculum do I use? Now we're at a place where there's so much curriculum, and so I think it's just asking questions, right? It's finding out what people are using and working and so forth. Okay. Uh, someone says, you know, I, I came to faith later in life. My kids aren't little. Teenagers now. I'm trying to figure this out. How do I, how do I be a godly parent when I'm just learning the godly faith, and now I'm a different person, and I'm parenting these people in my house. How do I do that? Rich, you got anything? <laughs> I would love to comment and then see, see if there's some more pinball off of this. Uh, we're, it, you know, we, my oldest is 11, so I, I don't know. Why don't, you, why don't we bat this one over to you? <laughs> yeah. Well, we've talked about the role of repentance yesterday and today. It's always about repentance. And it's, it's, communi it's communicate. It's being real. Dad, just, I, just, I just came to saving faith, and my world is changing here, and I'm trying to figure it out how I'm supposed to interact with you now, my son and my daughter and, and your mom, and I'm going to make some mistakes but I have something now that's the most important thing, and I'm going to try and figure out this new way of how I'm to raise you. Let's keep talking about this. Let's, in fact, we're going to pray about this. I mean, I think it's just, it's relationship, it's communication, it's vulnerability, it's confessing the many mistakes that will be made. It's confessing, I failed you myself. I believe I failed you. I needed to be talking about this when you were two, not 15. So it's just, and there's beauty in vulnerability, right? Yeah. Amen. That is better than what I was going to say. <laughs> but I think whatever I was going to say was going to be better than what Ryan was going to say. So I feel like I was, I was bookend in there. Okay. So you, you but you it, won on that if one. If you got to say it, is it true? I mean, huh? If you got to say it, is it true? Yes. <laughs> kind of a similar question. Um, divorce is real. Family split up. Damage is done. Regret. There's hurt. There's all kinds of second guessing. Kids are living here now. Kids are living in the other home. One parent saying, I'm trying to follow Jesus. My my ex has no interest in that. My kids are picking up on stuff, and now I'm trying to deal with it when they come back home to me. How do I navigate that? Yeah, I can speak to that. So these, again, the three words that keep coming up is this the faithful, fruitful, and fierce. And they were, uh, we, so Ray, who spoke to the men yesterday, thank you, Ray, um, him and I have been mulling this idea over the idea of faithfulness is our responsibility, fruitfulness is God's. And so for that spouse who is struggling to see the fruit, well, in no way does that affect the faithfulness, the call to be faithful. And so that husband or that wife, they need to press into what it means to be a faithful Christian, a faithful husband or a faithful father or a faithful wife and a faithful mother, whatever that role is, they are in charge of faithfulness. That's, that's your call. The fruitfulness is God's domain, right? 
What did Paul and Apollos, right? I watered, or I planted Apollos watered, but God brought the growth. Well, that, why would we expect that anywhere else, you know? And so if we get frustrated because we don't want the hardwood to grow. We're expecting bamboo to shoot out of the ground when really God's wanting to build hardwood, maybe. And that takes time, it takes roots, it takes weathering. And so uh, the call to that person would just be continue being faithful. Uh, don't let the response you're obser- observing determine your response to God. Well, and I can speak to that. Um, I was that kid. My mom's, she's right over there. She's here. Um, <clears throat> she was the faithful one. She was the faithful one who uh, brought us to church consistently, made sure we were in a Christian school, worked hard um, to put God where like a father couldn't be or to, to make sure we were just consistently hearing the things we needed to hear. So when we were faced with things that we didn't agree with, didn't believe, had questions about, you know, I could always go ask her or I knew there was someone at church that I could talk to. Uh, God's family is, is big and ready and open and willing. And uh, so I think that, again, like you said, just that faithfulness there, you know, she, she didn't know the fruitfulness that she would see. She just knew that she needed to be faithful in getting her kids to church and getting her, getting them into the family of God. And so here we are. I mean, God is good. <laughs> Amen. We've been talking about family worship here and, uh, uh, pastor Dimitri nailed it, bro, nailed it. Um, but there's certainly, this is a new concept maybe for some. What, just give us uh, a couple of real practical how-to steps. What, is, what does family worship look like? And maybe you can address it with, with younger kids, with elementary kids, and then maybe older kids. Maybe touch on all three real quick. Yeah, I'd love to share our, our vision for family worship, and you guys share yours. because. So uh, the way we characterize it, and it's the simplest way I can formulate it, is just, formulate it, it's just these three things, read, sing, pray. Whatever those in- include for your age and stage that your kids are at. So open the Bible, sing some stuff together, some, some God glorifying. We, we sang Jesus Loves Me. Well, that comes directly from our breakfast table with our baby who is nine months old now. So we read, we sing, we pray. Um, and in terms of what you do, that... It is up to you, right? You can pray. Like We also do, we layer in things like catechesis. You made fun of Greek speaking. I didn't appreciate that because we're teaching our kids. Actually, I think know, it's awesome. I think it's awesome. I was Unofficially, I think it's awesome. They know that song that we sang today in the Hebrew alphabet. That sounds really pretentious to say that, doesn't it? It's because you're in seminary. It's because I'm in Hebrew class right now, and I need it for me. Um, but it, the point is, is the baseline is pretty low, and, you, it, and people get overwhelmed by, oh, I don't have the qualifications to teach. No, yes, you do. You have all you need for life in God. Open God's word, read it to your kids, asking questions, sing a song you know terribly. Yep. We still do it. <laughs> we still do it. Uh, and, then, and then pray. Like that's, there's so, so much simplicity there, and then just grow into that. You don't have to have it dialed the first time you do it. And I want to say this, then I'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, a lot of men that come to me, they say, I'm not qualified to do it, or I, my wife, I haven't built that rapport with my family, and my, the response is just, well, you, so what? Go, do it, do the thing. And if, to the wives who would undercut their husbands who give it a shot, I would say just let him grow into it without cutting him off the knees, um, give him a chance to, to mature. So. Yeah. yeah, Mary mentioned yesterday um, in our Q&A over there to 
sometimes it, it is helpful to let husbands fail. Like they need to, to grow in that and we need to be gracious in that and we need to be, again, it's the faithfulness, right? It's not just nailing it, getting it every time. Yeah, we got this family worship. Kids are amazingly obedient uh, in those moments. But uh, allowing the failure to happen, allowing God to use it to grow you, to grow your children. Uh, there's no perfection here. Uh, literally, he brings out the ukulele and we sing, and it's awesome and chaotic and good. But we read the Bible, we ask questions, we pray together, and it takes all of maybe 15 minutes on a, a short day. And sometimes the prayers go long and then they wander off with our three year old. So, yeah. gotta rein it in. Yeah, how about you guys? Read, sing, pray inside the home. Fantastic. Uh, I think also, because I think you nailed that very well. I'm like, we're very similar in, in our home. Uh, I like the idea of, well, that extends outside of the home as well, of like, we're driving and uh, let's blast out some music and let's get real loud praising some Jesus. We have some deep tracks. You remember Carmen? Mm-hmm. The old song. Yeah, anybody know those? Of like Sundays on the way, and I'm like, we will rock out, and it's just fun worship. And so uh, we'll have our more sincere times, more reverential, and then we're just going to be nuts. We're going to have fun worshiping uh, the Lord. Uh, And also our public worship on Sunday mornings. We're here as a family, and we're worshiping, and arms around, and hands lifted high, and smiling back and forth, and worshiping. That's a real big deal. I'm never going to forget some of the sweet times we've had praying together as a family, um, uh, worshiping together as a family, whether it's in, uh, you know, by a downtown lake or by, uh, or, you know, um, uh, river in a park uh, or prayer walks or before we go on a drive or something like that. Um, uh, I hear Becca upstairs all the time as part of homeschool at the beginning she'll read them scripture they'll sing a song and uh it's it's good memories but that's family worship oh um it it's not the thing you do it's we do it as we go Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and you asked about ages so maybe for the younger kids it could be just five minutes but it's consistent right and so they start to learn how to act and how to behave when we do these things even if they're running off or screaming and then as each age group progresses maybe they've got questions ours are at the question age where you know maybe we had something planned but they want to take it a different way and then we answer deep questions of, well, what does this mean? And what about that? Have you thought about that, Daddy? And it's just really cool, so. I'd also add, of like, I think there's a, a way to include, not all, um, uh, to include giving in your worship as well, of like that. Uh, you can do that in such a way where it's kind of like family huddle, we're doing this for them. And, you know, it can be a really sweet form of worship to be generous together as a family. Of like, I, I grew up with more money was something completely private. You know, if I, I had no idea whether my parents were given or not, I, and they were, I didn't know it. And, and we're not doing that of like, well, well some of the stuff kids don't know about and some of the stuff the kids have like, no, we're, we're giving generous and this is a, a, a gift unto the Lord that's going to bless this person or this family or this group. And so that's a, a real neat thing. Last, last point I'd like to make, just lower the expectation too, because uh, you think 
I mean, Selena's not kidding. I mean, it's, it's chaos. Dimitri joked, like, yeah, worship is warfare because it's warfare. The kids are warring against each other and we're trying to get them to focus. Well, that's real. Like, the, the chaos is real. And so, yeah, you said for five, like five minutes is plenty. Lower the bar. The, the goal is, who said it today? It's, you said it today. Do, do tiny things over a long period of time. That's the goal. Not perfection on one day, but tiny things over a long period of time. Faithfulness. Can I just add two quick things? One, one thing that we uh, did was, we, we, if you're looking for sort of a time window or whatever, it was our oldest child, and we'd go a minute by their, per, per age. So when he was three, it was roughly three minutes. When he was eight, it was roughly eight minutes. There was younger kids, but that just kind of gave us a structure. And the second thing, and maybe the best thing that our kids now out of the home remember, they don't remember all the catechism questions. They don't remember all, all the prayers and stories. But the thing that we did, and I don't remember how this all began, but it was on Sunday, on the Lord's Day, we would, uh, at the end of family worship, each child would come sit on my lap, and Dad would give them a blessing. Not a prayer, but a blessing, and there's a difference. And they still remember that today. And they would scamper off my lap, and then the next one would come on, and then they would get a blessing, literally, with my hand on their head. And uh, that was really meaningful, I think, to our children. Um, yeah, I'm going to steal that. That's okay, a... go ahead. Ryan, you want to? Uh, if you were to start over, here we go, vulnerability time. If you were to start over, what building blocks would you put into your marriage that were not there when you began? Did we have any of the blocks? We had no blocks. <laughs> we we did an blocks. early inventory and found no blocks. The <laughs> there were no blocks. <laughs> so, yeah, how would you answer that right oh, off the uh, First thing that comes to mind is kind of like homeschool finding a community is we needed mentors. Well, I'm so, sorry, I missed, was this marriage or homeschool? I, uh, this is marriage, and then we're going to go parenting next. So we're just, yeah, we're just yeah. dealing with marriage. If, if you, yeah. what, what, basically, we could ask this question this way. What do you wish you knew then that you now know if you were starting over? Okay. Yeah. yeah. I was just thinking find a mentor. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, great one. Yeah, we didn't one. have mentors no. around us that we mm -mm. could look at their marriage and model it. It took us a few years to find some people worth emulating, right? That's so good. So. Of like, if, you, if I don't have a picture of what it's supposed to look like, how in the world do I know what to build? Uh, and so having a picture, now we, we kind of, um, whether we're raising kids or working toward a marriage, we found folks of like, all right, these folks seem to really crush uh, marriage. And these folks are really raising their kids well. This, they really uh, have their business in an order and, and daily habits and disciplines. And so you kind of build a bear with mentors and you figure out what works and then you emulate that. And we didn't have... Yeah. Like, build a bear. Build like a bear it. mentor. I like, <laughs> like I don't have an Apostle Paul, I'll just kind of, you know, power rangers him up. Is that the, yeah. No? Yeah. Not the answer they were looking for. <laughs> it was a, you'll I never it. forget it though, right? Yeah. It's yeah. too stupid of a word picture for you to ever forget it. Yeah. So you know what? I've used Power Rangers. I've redeemed it in the name of Jesus to make it edifying forever. Quit judging me. What's wrong with you people? 
Um, that was one building block is, is uh, a picture of it. I think having a good theology of how actually the marriage works together, the end picture of like, okay, I'm supposed to be leader and you're supposed to submit. I'm like, oh, leader. I'm like, but lead like Jesus, having all authority in heaven and earth. So he took out his outer garment, tied around his waist, got down on his knees and washed his disciples' feet. And I'm like, ah, servant leadership. That doesn't sound as fun. <laughs> I was picturing a different kind of like... Leg up, lead, yeah, lead. Woman, serve me as I lead. You know, like, no, that's not the thing. And so I, I had a good bit of building blocks of how do you picture what a good marriage should look like? That was very hard. How am I supposed to act? And how is she supposed to act? And uh, that, that was extremely challenging as well. Uh, also, to be able to, uh, here's little things of... Um, Dealing with conflict sometimes. The other one is just having a bad day. And I'm like, well, I'm having a good day, and I demand you have a, a better day. You need to repent. I'm like, no, cool your jets, hero. Just leave her alone, pray for, serve her a little bit, and just, you know, sometimes you have a bum day, huh? And so, uh, but we want to fix them and adjust them. And it comes over to control and self-righteousness and has the feeling of being holy, and it's not. Uh, and so being able to love your spouse in the way that they need love, not in the way that you demand you give it. One is self-serving while you uh, lull yourself into thinking that you're actually being a good spouse, and you're not. Uh, and so I had to figure out the difference of, of how we're built and how we're wired and how to sweetly shift how I would naturally be predisposed to come to you and instead come to you in, in, in a way that was helpful and met you with where you were at and what you needed. And I needed that vice versa. Mm -hmm. And I, that, that took a while to, to figure out. Fredericks, what do, you, what do you wish you knew back then that you now know that would have been nice to help get a good start? For me, it was, uh, so we're 20 years married now. Uh, which is better than John. Um, <laughs> 20 years, guys. No, he's great. <laughs> I'm going to cut Ryan off because um, uh, Ryan was an early picture of marriage. He was just, when I met Becca, he was 3,000 miles away. Uh, so we couldn't gaze at their example uh, very readily, but you were mentors to us in marriage. And I think you all have a really special marriage. Uh, y'all have figured some stuff out, and I am so proud of you guys and your marriage. Mm -hmm. So truly, you have mentored us in ways that I, I don't think I've ever fessed up to directly. You no, were, I have. I you have. were watching um, Power Rangers or yeah. something. Yeah, he was busy, busy watching. He was busy. But sometimes I admired their beautiful marriage and emulated it. Went in like commercial bricks. Um, I was going to say, uh, as a young married man... Uh, 20 years old up to like say 35. <laughs> uh, communication was pretty terrible. Like uh, didn't ever really wrap my head around the fact that if you can communicate things right, like if you, if you can get communication down, it is the pipeline through which all manner of flourishing flows in marriage. Like if you can just talk about hard things without fighting and getting after each other and taking offense that wasn't meant and, and you can both do that, like that's like, I'm convinced that's 90% of the marital battle. So as a young man, I would communicate very brashly um, and using things like facts and logic and, uh, and reason and, you know, yeah, just feel the way you're supposed to feel according to this logical thing. Of, well, I mean, sure, okay. 
There's, you love that. There's, uh, there's false analogy and red herring. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't work. Yeah. Game, game so, the ground. There's truth to be had in terms of facts and those sorts of things, but uh, as a husband, your call is not to, to that. Your husband, your, your call is to so much more than that. So just wrapping my head around the idea that communication is something I can learn, I can get good at, I'm not predisposed for life. I can actually grow in skill and I can ask my wife for feedback. Like that was huge. I wish I'd have known that uh, 15 years sooner. So, oh, yeah. I just, I echo the mentor. I was so hungry for um, wives and we, in the church that we were in, in the season we were in, they just weren't there. There was just no depth, no theology, no uh, <clears throat> looking forward of, this is what you can look forward to. These are some of the hard things you might walk through. Some of the, here's how to handle some of those conversations. Uh, here's how to you know, talk to your spouse when they don't know how to talk to you. <laughs> uh, so people, I think just again, the body of Christ is find a good body if you don't have one and get plugged in and get connected because there's a wealth of knowledge, experience, uh, Lots of dinner tables that people will welcome you to, to be able to share uh, their wisdom and for you to be able to cry to them, you know, so. Good. Let, let, let's let's uh, be a little bit quicker with this one because I want to get to a couple more. But what about parenting? What, as you look back now, um, you know, you're, what's, how old's your oldest? Fredericks? Nine. Nine, and, yeah. your old, and your guys' is 11. What do you wish you knew when your little guy was two and Della was... Three, and but you know it now. Well, we to go back to family worship. Frankly, that's a new thing, um, and I feel like that. I when we read when I read Donald Whitney wrote a book called, called Family Worship. It revolutionized our home life, um, and I'm like, what are these foreign flourishing shores that I've washed upon? That where does this warm hearth now? That is God's word that we can warm. We didn't have any of that for the first five years of our kids' lives. So family worship, if you're just hearing about it, don't let it stop here. Find someone to help you with it. Find a book. Find something. Go, go for it. I wish I'd known that sooner. And for any newer, newer moms, just finding that community, finding the people that uh, Kristen yesterday said it so well, that we, we are women of strength because of the Lord. <clears throat> Excuse me. We can handle more than we think. Uh, and so when you have those new babies, and yes, the nights can be long and all of that, but find the community that won't just you know, say, oh, it's okay, here's a glass of wine, but, oh, I've had those hard nights. Let me bring you coffee and donuts in the morning. Let me take your kids. Let me, I've had friends come over, sit and fold my laundry and talk to me. You know, just let people in to serve and love on you. They want to do it, uh, and you need it, and that's good. We need to know that we are, we, we have needs. So just, again, a community shout out, I think. I got one. Um, to establish earlier boundaries for where we are. So, for instance, you come home and you're exhausted from a day at work. And then the kids are going to ask you questions. And you get the first few, I'm like, hey, buddy, come on up here. Yeah, absolutely. I'm like superhero dad. But, like, when I'm 322 questions in, I am not super dad anymore. I'm like, what? <laughs> no, ask your mother. She just, you know, you start getting... Snippy, but you're like, ah, at some point, a man runs out of ability to answer any more questions. And then there'd just be like chaos around here. Somebody's screaming and, and you, you know, banging a pot. And you're like, I am going to fall over and die. Uh, yeah, you don't let them get to that point of like the moment they're harassing or annoying or something else like that. 
shut that down. Like, hey, boys, I need y'all to be quiet now. Uh, we're we're going to, I don't want this kid-centric home where they get to run the place, making all manner of racket. Uh, and so I'm like, no, 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 I, I, want, I want a happy home. And if this continues to go on, I'm going to passive-aggressively blow my lid and yell at my kids in about an hour from now. I'm like, no, no, I'm going to cut this out. And I notice it in my spirit. I'm like, ah, I'm running out of patience, and they're getting crazy. I'm like, nope, let's shut this down. Hey, boys, I need you to find something constructive to do, or I'm going to give you some chores. Um, and like, up oh, two minutes later, I'm like, boys, we're doing chores. No big deal, and this is a good opportunity to help your mother. And so now we just assign chores, cold hard math right there. Uh, and so we set discipline boundaries, and this will keep you from blowing up at your kids and doing stuff that you want or mistreating them kind of uh, in, in those you know, un, unhealthy, toxic ways. Uh, and so the kids will flourish under that discipline and putting them to task and chores. The worst thing you could do is allow these little Napoleons to commandeer your household, make it a thing of chaos and strife, strife. So at the end of the day, when they go to bed, we're so beat, exhausted, and harried, we're angry. You know, like, no, no, no. Don't let that happen. And I think we idolatrize our kids so much that we don't say no early enough and often enough. And as a result, we ruin and spoil our kids. It's okay to say no. It's okay to say no early. And it's okay to put them to work. Maybe some of you moms are really too tired because you're working too hard and your kids aren't working hard enough. Put them to work. Make it easy. Kick up your feet. Rest. Let them do it. They can't figure it out. Let them keep trying to figure it out. Good problem-solving skills. Not my problem, kid. Beat it. Go figure it out. <laughs> it doesn't sound spiritual, but it actually is. It's good. I just don't search it up for you. All right, next. <laughs> That's right. Uh, husbands and wives have disagreements. Husbands and wives uh, can argue. Uh, some husbands and wives may even use the word fight. Um, how, when you find yourself in those situations... As a Christian, how, what are the rules of engagement? How should one fight in a loving and honorable manner that pleases the Lord? Or is this question an oxymoron? I mean, how, how do we deal with disagreements? How do we deal with conflict in a manner in which Jesus is sitting right there watching this whole thing, which he is, and we're going to please him? I mean, we've had a few rules in our house, basic of like, you know, no name calling, uh, no cursing at one another, no threatening divorce, no, um, I heard somebody say, uh, sex is not a bargaining tool. Uh, we don't use that in conflict. Uh, so those, I, I, we're not, the goal during conflict should not be to fight. Uh, the goal is reconciliation. So if we can fight well, uh, because the goal is reconciliation, uh, I think that sets us up for a better fight. Because you are going to fight. We're both sinners. We're going we're gonna to bump heads. We're not going to communicate well. Uh, you're not going to submit to me very well. And <laughs> just kidding. Uh, it's a dry sense of humor. It's a dry <laughs> sense of humor. But, yeah, when we make those mistakes, what are, what are those boundaries? What are those rules? Yeah. Uh, I'll just add this little thing that helped us immensely is that three seconds is the difference between a reaction and a response. So just wait three seconds and respond and think about how you're going to respond. Because so often we get caught up in the moment and it's, it escalates and it doesn't have to. 
I think, uh, I think conflict is inevitable, but fighting is not in the marriage. Like you, you're going to have to work through stuff, but you don't have to do it in an unhealthy way. Uh, so three-second rule helps a lot, especially if you can sense the husbands, I'll put it on you. You, I would say you're at the helm of de-escalating that situation. And that means being sensitive to your wife, being sensitive to the situation. Get on the same page. We, that's one of the things that we figured out. Like, we want the same things. Like, we really do want the same. We're not really at, at odds. Problem is, is there's some noise that's gotten mixed in with the signal here. And you're hearing noise. I'm hearing noise. We're both sending. So let's get, let's get down to the signal, which means let's stop, pause, get on the same page, and, uh, and not let this thing escalate. So what do you guys think? How about adding one thing would be don't bring up the past, right? No records of, of wrongs. Like, well, you did this, and you always, and you never. Try not to use those words, right? Yeah. Uh, some of the fights Becca I've been in, uh, especially the more intense ones, have usually happened because one of us or both of us were burned out. Mm. When you're burned out, you're just not yourself. You're just not yourself. And so you need to recognize the signs of burnout because what can happen is, is uh, you know, work or life or family stress or remodel or whatever is going on can just wear you down and then you find the most convenient and proximally close person and you just go to war you know if like you may not have been the problem but i'm certainly making it you uh, making you the problem now so you got to really recognize the signs of burnout and put up guardrails early becca became good at this especially when our kids were in their terrorist twos and threes you know, kids are a blessing from the Lord, but some of the terrible twos and threes, it's an expression for a reason. It's because kids, before they really know how to communicate, they're just this mess of emotions that can be highly volatile and you can't reason with them. Once they're four and five and six of like, you can be on that track, but two and three, they're wrapping their heads around a lot of selfishness and a lot of explosive emotion and they have no way to communicate. So it, it, we had some... Uh, Pretty strong-willed kids, uh, especially our firstborn. Very strong-willed kid. And Becca, you know, invariably would uh, reach burnout uh, pretty regularly in a day. Uh, I would be coming home from whatever I'm out doing, work, uh, and she'd be like, hey, I'm on fumes. And I'm like, copy that. And I'd high-five her in the yard as I came in and she left. And I was actually good with it. I wanted to spend time with the kids. I've been gone all day. And she needs to desperately get away. Now, she had to struggle with the demonic influence of, uh, you know, well, if you leave or you don't want to be away from your kids, then you're an unfit mother. You yeah. know, and so. No, this is just like going to the grocery store for an hour, right? right. Yeah, so and it's so. It's a good breather. Right, yeah. so she just needed a little bit of a breather, and then she comes back refreshed and she's good to go. But, um, you know, if like we're, yeah, and so I'm writing it larger than it is, but it's just you're beat and you need a rest. Recognize that you need a rest, know that that's okay. Uh, and Becca would do a great job of communicating. I'm like, hey, I need to get alone for a couple hours. I'm like, hey, Roger that. Get out of there. I got it, you know, um, and vice versa of like, I need alone time. And she's like, okay. And we're able to kind of trade off, get our uh, energy under us, and then we approach. But really, our biggest way to keep from fighting is just to battle personal burnout. That, that's one of the big things. Also, we have a, a fail safe. We have an emergency button, and it's orange. If either one of us says the word orange, uh, that means like, hey, I'm about to be a blinking red light, like of burnout. If anyone says orange, 
that means we're not going to talk about this anymore. Uh, we promise to talk about it later. But right now, I'm upset. I'm going to say something I don't want to. Orange. I need a breather. I need a pause. Uh, and then we'll come back to our disagreement or our conflict later where we're kind of peaceful and calm. But there's our emergency word, orange. Can I, can I add one thing? You sure can. This so, is your conference. You, <laughs> I will add one thing, Rich. <laughs> um, okay, so you mentioned burnout. A lot of couples, they fight because the, the fight is the symptom of not dealing with things, like coming back to it, like you said. And so I, I used to do wildland firefighting for the state of Washington, the DNR, uh, and that was awesome. I learned some things about wildfire. Well, wildfires happen for a reason, right? Either there's tinder collecting on the forest floor because the forest is unhealthy, and the tinder has not been cared for, it's not been stewarded well, or the, the forest is dry because there's, there's a lack of water. And then there's some sort of inciting event that will kick it off, right? Whether it's the cigarette butt or the stray campfire or the lightning strike. Well, marital conflict is a lot like that, so we need to make sure that we are being watered by the word. We're staying in the word together, not just I have my own life. And, no, we're actually con we're, we're warming ourselves and, and drinking from the same well together, uh, but also that we're dealing with that tinder before it collects. Because you can control the tinder, you can't control the inciting events. Because what, ha what happens, you, get, you know, your carburetor blows out on your, or wait, transmission blows out on your car. Well, that's an inciting event. Now, do you have a lot of tinder now that's built up bitterness, it's been swept under the, the, the carpet and the rug and it's not been dealt with? Well, of course that lightning strike is gonna set your whole marital forest fire ablaze, but if you've been mindful, you've been diligent, you've been talking through things, uh, when the inciting events come in, you have a better chance at not letting it explode into something it shouldn't have ever been. So, so tend to your forest fire, uh, or tend to your forest rather, and you won't have as many fires. So there's a book on that back there. That's sweeping under the rug, not dealing with the conflict, guarantee bitterness will seep in between you and you will grow further and further apart. And the longer you wait, uh, the bigger that pile gets until it's just, how do you sweep that out the front door anymore? You know, it's easy to deal with it a little bit at a time, but if you keep putting off conflict and not dealing with it, you are, yeah, you are, um, doing something to your marriage. It's not going away. It's building up. Um, and so uh, don't let bitterness find a root with unresolved conflict. I think this will be a, a good culminating question because it captures a lot of the things that have been spoken about. And it comes from the vantage point of a wife. I want my husband to lead. I want my husband to take the mantle here. I want him to be the spiritual leader. But doggone it, he just won't. How do I encourage this? How do I get him to do so without being a nag? Um, I would say treat him as if he already is that amazing man and leader. Give him all the respect that he may not deserve, which is really hard. And it's uh, really kind of that sacrificial love, but um, treating people like the amazing person they are before they are that person is really going to embolden them in a way that nagging and bitterness never could. Let your husband define what the word nag is as well. What does that mean? Let him define it for you. you know, it says typically of like even a wife that is nagging her husband, that's henpecking. You can do it through questions or reminders over and over where you are subtly trying to, you're leading him to lead. 
and that doesn't work. It actually steals his spirit and makes him not want to do it. Uh, and so in your prompting, in your henpecking, you're stealing the spirit out of the man, not encouraging him. Um, and that's awful. Uh, now, that's not to shoulder his passivity as if it's your fault, because it's not. My passivity is my fault alone. My lack of leadership is my fault alone. It's not her fault. It's my fault. And I'm accountable for that. I'm responsible for that. And I need to cowboy up, learn to follow God, which is the same thing as learning how to lead my wife. It's the exact same thing. Uh, follow Jesus, the strong, bold, uh, loving servant Jesus. Uh, and that will amount to uh, you can't possibly follow Jesus and not lead your wife. You can't do it. Uh, and so I, I think that's uh, practical. However, there are some things that a wife can do to undermine and sabotage. And nagging is certainly one of those. I think about, uh, and, and just so that you understand how dire this is, the strongest man in the Bible, Samson, uh, finally gave up to Delilah because she nagged him. He was not strong enough to deal with her nagging. She conquered him. Uh, the wisest man in the Bible, Solomon, uh, said it'd be better to live on the corner of a roof than with a nagging wife. You know, I wonder if like maybe Samson, if he goes to heaven, I, I doubt it, I, I don't know. Uh, but he gets to heaven and he gets in front of Solomon and he's like, hey, how do you deal with nagging women? Like, I never figured out. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but it's a really serious thing and that's to... Um, Lots and lots of questions where it feels like it's almost a uh, cross-examination uh, or uh, prompting, prompting, prompting. Instead, when he shows any leadership, praise him and leave it at that. He'll love that. A lot of us are like, I'm a golden retriever. If you pat my head and say, good, I'm like, really? Well, watch this. I'm, I'm really that shallow and superficial. I just want to be told, hey, good job. I like that. And I'm like, Oh, yeah, watch me serve this. I'd be that easy to influence in course. I thrive on encouragement, and I wilt under any nag. And that's just the way I'm built, and your husband probably is too. The Fredericks and the Lavels, let's thank them for their interaction here.